There are some people today, and uh, they believe that um, the church has replaced the nation of Israel, called replacement theology. It is not true. God has the nation of Israel, and there's promises that he made to Israel that he will keep. And there's things that God has promised to the church, and he will keep. They are not the same thing. And so, therefore, you and I are part of the church. We're not a part of the nation of Israel. We're part of the church. And get what he says here. He said, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, without an ephod, without a teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So God says that Israel in the latter days will come back. Now they've been out of the land. How long has the temple been destroyed? 2,000 years. Now in the book of Hosea it also makes a statement about after two days they'll return. And so Israel has fulfilled what God said in his word. Now you name another nation that had these things prophesied against it. Where the nation would be totally uprooted, their temple destroyed, the people scattered upon the face of the earth. And then after 2,000 years they come back to their land and become established as a nation. Name one. There isn't one. Only one nation has ever done that and it just happens to be the nation of Israel. It's just a coincidence, isn't it? Or is it possible that there is a true and living God and His Word is true and His prophecies are true? His prophet spoke the truth and maybe we ought to believe it. And if He's telling the truth about that, maybe He's telling the truth about everything else that He said. I believe it. Although there are no prophecies before the rapture, the only thing that we're looking forward to is the Lord to return. You see, I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back in the air and all of those who know Christ as Savior will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 down to verse 18. So therefore, that is going to take place. That's what we are looking forward to. We're not looking for the blessed tribulation. We're looking for the blessed hope. The blessed hope. We often say, I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. I'm looking for him to take me up, not take me down. Although there are no prophecies before the rapture, there are multitudes that follow the rapture. Because the tribulation is only seven years long, many events must be in preparation before the rapture. And some of them are as follows. It means the Jewish people must return back to the land. In the book of Isaiah in chapter 11, it says this. Israel will return back to their land. So, God's word is true. And they are back, but they're in unbelief. Number two, great blasphemies worldwide will be spoken against God. Against God and against Israel. Now, the Bible says in the book of Zechariah in chapter 10, also chapter 12, that God says, I will bring all nations against Jerusalem. Now, you say, God said he's going to do this. And all the nations are going to turn against that little old bitty nation. And how do you think that little old nation of Israel is going to be able to survive when all the nations turn against Israel? When it says all nations, it seems like, well, maybe America and uh, 
Britain has to also. How would you like to be an Israeli living in Israel? And you see over 50-something Muslim nations who want to drive you into the sea, totally annihilate you, and all they need is a couple of little atom bombs to do it with, nuclear warheads. Now, Israel will have to defend itself. Isn't it amazing that we are living at the time when the exact nations, not all of them mentioned, but these exact nations have also fallen in with the nation of Russia. Number three, the world as a whole will turn and kill God's people. Now, this is what's coming. God says this is going to take place. Does the world seem like it loves Christians today? You know what's interesting? Uh, a guy by the name of Rick Perry. Evidently, he had gone to the Liberty University and gave a, a speech or a testimony. And it was on the radio. And I heard part of it right before James Taylor came on. And uh, he was talking about how he came to know the Lord and so forth, you know. And, and I thought it was pretty good. I, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I thought, well, great. But, you know, it, it didn't take long before the news media got wind of what he said. And they already have declared he just nailed the, the coffin closed and he's on the inside and talking about religion, talking about religion. That ought to automatically just disqualify him because he's talking about religion. Do you know George Washington talked about religion in Christ? Do you know Abraham Lincoln talked about religion in Christ? I thought to myself, self, if I ran for the office of the president of the United States, what do I do with my religion, my Christianity? Do I take it and put it in a box and take it down to the bank and lock it up and leave it there because I don't want to offend anybody? That's my right. That's what we're talking about. I have the right to believe what I believe, to say what I believe. So I, uh, I listened to a few comments by individuals that are always trying to take the Christians and shut them up. Don't talk about Christ. Don't talk about God. Don't talk about the Bible because that upsets people. You know what upsets me? Do they ever care about what upsets us? Evidently, they don't care about what we think. What about the Christians? They don't care about Christians. They don't want to offend the religion of Islam. Why? They'll cut off your head. And if they say something about us, what are we supposed to do? Love them. Love your enemies. Now, something's wrong here. If I'm to love you and you're to kill me, I got a hunch there won't be many of us left unless God intervenes. Did you know that during the tribulation period upon this earth, when Christ takes the believers out, and yet there'll be multitude because of the seed that'll be sown, 144,000 Jewish evangelists be preaching, and a multitude of people are going to trust the Lord of all languages all over the world. And most of them are going to die. Physical execution. They're going to die. And the Bible says it'll be by being beheaded. Because it says in the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the testimony of the Lord. That's during the tribulation period. Because the first part of the tribulation period is peace and safety. He said, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. And in the middle of this seven-year tribulation period, 
a man who's going to come on the scene and he'll be able to convince the people with a bunch of lies. You and I know, if somebody's really lying, outright lying, we'd catch that, wouldn't we? Everybody will see that. Did you know half of America can't tell when somebody's lying? They're so deceived, and they cannot see it. Look at number four, wars, threats of wars, and conflicts, Matthew chapter 24. There's some things in here about ethnos and basilia, the, the, the word ethnic, ethnos, race, basilia, nations. And it talks about race against race and kingdom, nations against nations. But look down at number five. Number five, strife and discord within the family and church will increase. Second Timothy chapter three says this, that perilous times shall come. And it's written to the believers in the last days. You stop and think, isn't it true that majority of homes today have been destroyed? Marriages, children. And one of the things that John the Baptist was going to do when he came on the scene, it says in the prophecy concerning him in the book of Luke, he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Wouldn't it be great if all fathers loved their children? And we do what we do because we love our children. It causes you to watch your testimony, everything that you say, everything that you do. We cannot preserve a nation unless we can preserve the education of our children. If you don't preserve the education of the children, then you're leaving them vulnerable to every ism and spasm out there. Number six, famine. Pestilence and epidemics will spread throughout the world. Do you realize how close we are to famine in America? Do you know all the floods and the fires and everything that's been going on? It wouldn't take much for us to be hungry. And not just to be hungry. The Bible says great famine is coming upon the land. It talks about the whole nation. You realize that now people are selling our corn to make fuel and we're going to pay for that down the road and that we're getting some of our food from other countries. You know what? I've always wondered how in the world can we buy food from South America? They can grow it, send it all the way up here and people make a profit off of it. And the people that live here can't have a cheaper price than what they will. Something's wrong. Something's driving up the price. We are going to be in Hertzville soon. And I've said this before, and I'll say it to you again. I believe you would be wise to make sure you have some food stored up. I think it's just a matter of, of Christian principle. For the times in which we live, it wouldn't take long for anything to happen, and all of a sudden, a little, a little rush on all the stores would empty them out in a few hours. And if you didn't get there, and you don't get anything, do you realize how ugly America can be if there's no food to eat, and how wicked we can become for the sake of life? Did you know that God warned Israel about this very thing and says the day will come when you will look at your son or your daughter 
and say, mm, mm, you look good. You look good enough to eat. And they boiled their own children and ate their own children. Now, I'm not making that up. It's in the Bible. I just don't have time right now to show you all of this. If I did, it would take me six months to get through this message. Look at number seven. Russia will invade Israel. It was in the paper. Israel has found oil, and Israel has found silver and gold. They say that in the Dead Sea, you know, things always go to the bottom. And those are heavy metals, and they sink to the bottom. And that in the Dead Sea is enough wealth that is greater than all the wealth in all the world. You know, that's a lot, a lot of wealth. You know, the Bible says, an Asher shall dip his toe in oil. Well, that's in the book of Genesis, right before Jacob died. And it was one of the prophecies about his son. Asher shall dip the tip of his toe in oil. There's oil in Israel. And they've also found natural gas. Russia is going to come down against Israel. We all know that. Ezekiel 38 and 39. But if you look at number 8, these are nations that God said over 2,500 years ago are going to be siding with Russia. Now, there's no way they could have known that in advance. But now think about these nations that it's listed right here. And you can get your Bible and go back and look at it. And Libya, Ethiopia, Turkey, and Iran will be allies with Russia. Would you say that that's about the way it is today? Coincidence, huh? And how would the men that wrote God's Word know that if they were just men and only wrote what man knows and what man thinks? You know, the Bible does not contain all of those mistakes that man makes. The Bible is truth. The Bible is accurate. And you can know the truth if you want to know the truth. You have in your hands a, an up-to-date book on what's going to take place in the future. And buddy, I've always wanted to know. I have a curious mind. Look at the next thing. Number nine, the Bible talks about homosexuality and sexual immorality will increase. And Luke chapter 17 talks about, remember as it was in the days of, not just Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. When it says, as it was in the days of Lot, in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, it's not talking about the one day the judgment fell. It's talking about their manner of life before the judgment fell. What were they doing? What was their sin? And what is going on in the world today? And now there are, and I heard this on the news the other day, of little children over in, I think it was over in Europe, that had their name down as a hate crime because they simply used the word gay. They used the word gay. And they were just talking about having a gay time. But they took that as a hate crime, and now as a hate crime, it goes on their record, even though they're five and six years old. And it'll stay on their record for the rest of their life. All of this is coming to America. The day will come when I will simply preach a biblical sermon, and I probably will come along and say something like, you know, homosexuality is a sin. 
and could cost me my ministry and throw me in jail. And you say, no, that won't happen. I hope you'll come and visit me. Look at number 10, Jewish temple to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. You and I know there has got to be a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. And the reason is, is because the Antichrist, the head of the last world government, goes into the temple and claims himself that he is God, exalts himself that he is God, and demands that people worship him, and will set up an image and declare that people must bow down to this image or they will be executed. Oh, that's coming. Number 11, talk of world peace. When they shall say, they because the judgment is coming upon the world. And when the world begins to talk constantly about world peace. Nobody's been doing that lately, have they? Has anybody been talking about global peace? Global peace? Well, this is why they have the so-called United Nations. See, the United Nations is supposed to develop World peace. It was started right after the Second World War so that there'll never be any more wars. And since that date, America has never won a war. We haven't won a war since then. We've had to compromise. I say if we're going to fight a war, you fight to win, and it doesn't matter how you win, you win. They want to destroy us, kill our families, and we don't want to hurt their feelings. But number 12, nations joining together to establish a final world government. And all of these so-called crises that we've had. And so, ah, government, do something. Save us, save us. So we all look to the White House to save us and Congress to save us and to de deliver us from this devastating dilemma. Well, they don't want to save us. They don't want to save us. You see, they got to destroy our form of government. They've got to destroy capitalism because capitalism and communism are not compatible. You owning property, you owning things, you doing what you think you want to do, is it will not work with socialism and communism. It can't work together, can't live together. So if we have, and we do, we have probably close to 50% of Congress that are socialist. I'm not lying to you. Many of them already stated. They signed documents to this fact. And so if you are a socialist, you do not want to save our country as it is. You do not want to have a good sound financial basis like silver and gold, which is according to the Constitution. They want to inflate our money. I noticed the other night when they were on the Republican debate. And as I sat there and I listened, and they asked a question about the Federal Reserve. Oh, I wish they'd asked me that question. The Federal Reserve is not a part of the federal government. The Federal Reserve prints fiat money, means it's worthless pieces of paper. It's not backed by anything. It's just like you can get your own printing press and print your own money. It has no value to it except the confidence you put into it. I would say do away, totally do away with the Federal Reserve. You do not need the Federal Reserve. They're not supposed to manipulate the economy. 
the rise and fall of stocks and all these things. No, there's a better way to run a country. And I would do away with health, education, and welfare. You don't need any one of them. I would do away with the EPA. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I'm not running for office. <laughs> but I just think once in a while I just got to let you know what I think because I love our country. I love our freedoms that we have. I want to keep on preaching the Word of God and preaching the truth, and I can see the encroachment coming. I can see them tightening the noose. I can see them turning the vice on the anvil, and I can see us being squeezed and people being squeezed and losing more and more of their freedoms. Till after a while, you and I, we won't be able to move. We will wait until it's too late, and then you won't be able to do anything. There's a few people in this country that do see and understand what's being done. And I do pray that there's enough people that can see what needs to be done and will do something to preserve our country the way that our founding fathers intended it to be. So that you and I can continue to live a life that's quiet and peaceful. So that we don't have to become mean and ugly down the road. So that we don't have to see God's judgment upon our nation. Therefore, I do believe that these things that is being done in our country and under the guise of, well, you know, it's liberty and uh, the homosexual can do what they want and all that. I believe that it is a wicked, wicked sin. It's destroying our homes. It's destroying this country. It's destroying the churches. And so, therefore, you now have my humble opinion on these issues. Not all of them. But look up here. You and I know that Christ is going to come back, but he's coming back for his children. If you are not a child of God, you don't get to go. You don't get to go. You must be a child of God to get to go to heaven. And Christ could come back at any moment because all the things that we just covered, are things that must be fulfilled in the tribulation period. And the nations of the world is already choosing upside. We're almost there. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And buddy, that's close. So that means that the rapture has to be very, very close. People have been preaching this for over 2,000 years. Wouldn't it be great if you and I were the ones that you and I were the ones that get this one-time experience. Because you see, there are certain things that have happened in history that not everybody got to enjoy that. See, all of, we, not all of us got to be there in the garden. Wouldn't that have been neat, though? Not all of us got to see, well, we didn't get that big boat ride during the flood. I wouldn't have mind that as long as I was in the ark. I wouldn't have mind seeing the children of Israel come out of Egypt in the water parting. But it only happened one time in history. I, I wouldn't mind being there at the resurrection of Christ. Not so much the crucifixion. I, I wouldn't mind seeing the resurrection. But it only happens once. The day of Pentecost, I'm the Holy Spirit come, that happened one time in history. Now the next thing is for the rapture. It will happen one time in history. And I pray that that will be during my lifetime. And if you're only given 70 years to live, I'm running out of time. <laughs> Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet 
represent all the things we do that's wrong. God loves the whole world. And so that you don't misunderstand, regardless of the religion of Islam, I've tried and I have led many of them to Christ. I've seen hundreds trust the Lord. When Marie and I went there to Egypt, I just went over there to see him last week because of Betty's birthday, and so we decided we'd ride over and see Ray. And he said there were tears down his eyes because, he says, they came in the very church that we had been in and killed 109 people with machine guns, just mowed them down. The very people that we talked to, he said, I'm so glad that we got a chance to go and talk to them. But a lot of them can trust the Lord. A lot of them just don't know. They never understood. But God loves the whole world. So should we. We don't have to love their sin or they won't have to love their ideology. But we can love the person. And so the Bible says that to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We have all sinned and we're all condemned. And God says you can't save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So what Christ did was took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said that if you and I would simply believe he did it for us, he would put that payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Christ did for us. That's, that's, that's good news. That's free. No tricks to it. If I offered you my wallet and you accepted, you'd have a wallet. If I offered you my Bible and you accepted, you'd have a Bible. If Christ walked in here and offered you eternal life and you accepted, what would you have? Eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it lasts forever. You can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted the Lord, or if you're watching by internet, I pray that you will trust the Lord. Because there's no tricks to it. There's no gimmick to it. You don't have to join this church. You don't have to join any church. You don't have to give any money. You don't have to stop anything. You don't have to join anything. God loves you. He paid for your sin. And he said, if you'll believe he did it for you, he would save you and give you eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. So, friend, I pray that you would. And if you will make that decision, I'd like to have prayer for you. Would you slip in it very quickly and say, yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior tonight. And preacher, I want you to pray for me. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We're thankful that we have your word, that we can read and study it. So much we don't know. But these are a few things that we do know from what your word says. We're li living in some crucial days. And Lord, I, I pray that our president will make the right decision. That those in Congress would try to really protect our country and make wise decisions and there's a lot of people that are hurting. And I pray, Lord, that they would put you first. To think about what you would want them to do. Help us to realize one day we will have to stand before you and give an account. So we ask your blessings upon us as a church and our nation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.